you're listening to the Red Diamond Courier, an Elder Scrolls podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinsky and Dog Bark 24. Welcome everyone to episode 95 of the Red Diamond Courier. I am here with you, your host Bob Chichinsky, with my good, good friend and co-host Dog Bark 24. How you doing, my man? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing good, man. And excited to be here as always. This week, we are going to be covering the Wrathstone DLC Dungeon Pack that contained the Frost Vault and Depths of Malatar Dungeons. This was the first DLC of the Year of the Elsewhere. Um, I can't remember what numerical year that was. Good few years ago now. I'm thinking 2019. And uh, it was. It started off that year-long story. And it was the first uh, dungeon pack, like when they included dungeons as a part of, like, when they created the idea of a year-long story. So it uh, kind of, you see a change in, like, pace uh, in dungeons. So some really interesting dungeons, uh, some really cool and in-depth stories in them, and we're going to make sure you know all the bosses and all the cool sets you can get and uh, all that good stuff, as always. But first, of course... We've got some awesome, awesome news to talk about, plenty this week, and our serial update for you, so let's get it started, Dogged. What uh, news do we have? All right, well, today's the first, right? So we have some new daily rewards, right? Um, everything is kind of pretty basic, you know, repeatable stuff, um, but your, your second week, uh, that'll give you 20k gold, and the third week is the Pony Guar Pack. Where is today the first? Uh, where I live. Oh <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I technically right now, but okay. Well, I guess that's how the daily rewards work, since you can get it at like five p.m. Yeah, it's technically the next day. Okay, fair enough. Technically, yeah. You know, most of the world, minus you know, West Coast. Hey, so. the West Coast, best coast. What up? Yeah. Anyways, uh, also it's the White Shakes Mid Year Mayhem. It's here finally. Finally. Yeah. It ends too soon on August 9th, but you yeah. could get up to thirty nine tickets if you're good at getting tickets during Mayhem. Because I am not. Why are you not good at getting tickets? Well. Mainly because there's so much mayhem going on. And I just want to get all the AP. So that's my biggest problem. I'm not too worried about the tickets. Yeah. I mean, you can at least get two tickets by doing serial dailies. Like yeah. Kill 20 players. Can you kill 20 players? It's pretty oh, I easy do that to kill one. 20 players. That's oh, the one I have uh, backstocked ready to go. I've been successful at it for two <laughs> days in a row now. But I did miss two days. So, you know, I have to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've played, like, the entire first two days of the event, so... I definitely haven't gone into Imperial City because I've just been too much in love with Cyrodiil. Even though I haven't had any champion points the whole time, so they... That's a story for another time, though, so... 
All right. Yeah. But um, you can earn up to 39 tickets this event. Um, maybe you're better at getting them than Bob or me. So, yeah. Hopefully. Right. There are some uh, new collectibles with this event. There are some new House Dufort banner outfit styles. Uh, you get these by killing Imperial City sweepers and bosses. So, yeah, they have a chance to drop that. Or they could drop uh, the Black Jake Clan Wrap armor, which is from last year. Or not last year, but the beginning of the year, because it was the last. It came out last, yeah. The last Mid-Year Mayhem, or White Shakes Mayhem, in January. That's when it came. Uh, the other new thing is the battle scarred body and face markings, and these are found very rarely in Pelinol's boon boxes. And it is very rare because they had something. It's either the same thing or also very sim or also a uh, very similar with the body and face markings, and they were also very very rare. I think I got one of a uh, each type out of like. Hundreds and hundreds of boxes. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, that's uh, quite the RNG. Yeah. Um, there's also double resources while in Cyrodiil. So it's a good time to pick up some like Violet Coprinus or some, you know, corn flour or whatever good material you want because it's double. And lastly, you can earn Pelino boxes. And you get these in your uh, rewards of the worthy or any daily quests. So battlegrounds, Imperial City, your town dailies, your fighters guild dailies, and your Cyrodiil uh, battle dailies. Yep, the most fun boxes of all. They drop good stuff, man. You know, like camps and keep recall stones. I don't know alchemy stuff. Hakaijos. Yeah. Lots of good stuff. Oh, I guess you have the list right here. Yeah, you can get parcel of Telvar stones, soul gems, alchemy ingredients, alliance armor style material, or Akaviri armor style material. Uh, cold fire siege weapons, you know, like cold fire ballistas. Those are good. You know, forward camps, uh, serial repair kits, uh, white shirks mayhem book furnishing. Uh, chapter of your alliance armor motif, uh, chapter for the Akaviri armor motif, or possibly the full book for any of those. Very, 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 very rarely. So that would be very exciting though, if you get that drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, prismatic runestone, uh, transmute geode, the alliance interior pet fragments. I have a lot of those. Um, oh, yeah. Ridiculous amount. Like, I could build like 17 terriers. Yeah. Um, and then, lastly, a container with two tradable room boxes for battle scarred body and face markings. So. Now I'm just imagining building an army of terriers, a Breton terriers, just taking them into Cyrodiil. <laughs> yeah. That would be cool. It would be cool. Yeah. Oh, uh, the Golden's going to have, like, you know, serial available jewelry. Um, this is going to exclude any Imperial City quests, you know, like agility 
or new rewards of the worthy sets like Plague Break or any of the other new ones that came out since then. So, yeah. Um, I kind of feel like the Golden should sell all PvP adjacent sets, including like monster shoulders and helms from the Imperial City districts, because I don't think they're going to come up in the uh, Golden normally. So it would make more sense to either put it during the mid-year mayhem type stuff or just put it into like the rotation in general. Yeah, it would be nice to see that have at least all the PvP stuff, meaning mainly like the new stuff that seems to be excluded from it, but I don't know. Maybe they just think it'd be too long of a list. I mean, I'm okay with the long list. Like I was looking for a, a gold agility necklace, right? Because I have a gold training necklace and I didn't want to find that because I'm cheap. So I wanted to go find a gold agility necklace and I couldn't find one. Then I searched Hammer Trade Center and they couldn't find it. I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to go with my gold training thing. Oh, my gold training necklace. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, good old training. Yeah, got to get that 1454 health. It is quite a bit. I won't lie. Yeah. And then lastly, we have the Impresario. Uh, you can get the new... Uh, the first uh, Daggerfall Paladin costume fragment. So you can get the first one. Or you can get the all three Soulfire Dragon Illusion pet fragments. Uh, you can also get the House Do Four banner armor cell pages or the battle scarred body markings or the face markings. And they also updated the bag of Veterans Glory. And then you can also pick up group repair kits or command companion guild commendations. So, yeah, that uh, wraps up Meteor Mayhem pretty much. Yep, everybody needs to get out there and get mayheming. And the servers have been packed, so I think that uh, people are doing just so. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that with you know some of the uh, queue times. Yeah, there's not a lot you could do about them, but I don't know. It's a good problem to have, I guess, having a lot of people wanting to play. All right, so let's uh, knock out our Cyrodiil update here real quick. We're in the midst of Mid-Year Mayhem, so Greyhost is popping off. For PC and NA, on the PC side of things, we've got 12 days left, and uh, it's a very contested battle. DC is in the lead. With 55k, and it's, I gotta be specific because it's so close. So 55,082 points. Now, Ebonheart Pact is right behind them at 55,054 points. So they're either just catching up or DC is uh, just past them because it's a really, really close battle. And then uh, AD. They're right behind uh, both of them with 54,942. So they're only just about 100 behind Ebonheart Pact. Very close battle. Then on the EU side of things, we've got Ebonheart Pact in first with 53.3k. Daggerfall Covenant in second with 52.5k. And the Old Mary Dominion in last with 50k. So... All right, for the uh, Xbox side of things, 
Uh, there's 27 days left in the campaign. And uh, for NA, we have DC in the lead with 9271. Uh, 80 is shortly behind them with a 9241. And then EV is in the last with a 9038. So very close uh, scores for this uh, brand new campaign. Yeah, that's how, uh, so they go when they just start out. But uh, not for Xbox EU. Uh, for Xbox EU, you have EP in the lead with 11.7K, uh, DC in second with 7.6K, and AD in last with 7K. And when I checked the, uh, when I grabbed these scores, EP had 280 points, like in their thing. So that means that they owned everything. Every keep, every resource, every town, everything. So, yeah. EP is definitely dominating uh, Xbox EU Greyhost. Yeah, I uh, would definitely agree with that. It's still early, though, so... DC could come back. So, let's go over to the PlayStation side of things. We've got DC in the lead... With uh, 9.5k, AD in second with 9.2k, and Ebonheart Pact in last with 8.9k. So it's a pretty closely contested race over there. But as we said, these console uh, campaigns are still pretty fresh. So then we've got the Ebonheart Pact at 10.5k, leading the EU side of things. Daggerfall Covenant right behind him at 9.2k. And All Mary Dominion bringing up the caboose with 8.4k. So, yeah, some, still some pretty fresh campaigns. Plenty of time to get out there and uh, make your name well known for your awesomeness. All right, so that's going to do it for our PvP side of things. Dogged, you ready to get into the meat of this episode here? Yeah, let's uh, start going off with the Frostfall, right? Yeah, save the hardest and uh, longest for first. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? Um, so Frostfall is a DLC dungeon, which means you unlock it at level 45 for the Dungeon Finder. Uh, it's located in Northwest East March. And um, one thing that you might notice with the uh, little goblins that you find in there, uh, like in the Frostfall, is that they are Reiklings, or Reiklings, or however you want to pronounce them from like Skyrim. So. Um, aside from that, some of the uh, big enemies that you're, are going to be fighting are ogres. Um, they hit hard, as well as uh, dwarven centurions and frost astronauts. Um, if you're at the tank, you just want to turn away from the group and block their heavy attack. There are the goblin archers that would do a full ultimate. You can interrupt them. Not that big of a deal. There's also goblin sky splitters that would chuck a meteor down at you. Again, that can also be interrupted. Not a big deal. And then, lastly, there are Dwarven Archibuses, or Archibi, however you want to go with that. Um, they will target someone and launch a projectile that will knock them back, and that can also be interrupted. So, 
some of the big uh some of the uh, heavy hitting things that are not uh you know big and obnoxious are interruptible so that's always good just watch for those sparks fly right oh yeah do you want to take it over with the bosses bob or at least the first one yes so good old frost vault has uh five bosses and uh they're all quite an interesting time. So, first boss, you've got Ice Stalker. This boss is, like I said, uh, quite a fun time. Interesting, to say the least. I can't think of anything more fun than being stunlocked for, like, you know, 10 seconds straight. Like, you know, who doesn't want to do that? Uh, yeah, it's fun. Fun. <laughs> Capital F-U-N, fun. <laughs> I definitely agree with you a thousand percent. <laughs> so, uh, there's going to be spiders and ice race that spawn. The spiders aren't too bad, but the ice race are super annoying because they can stun you with some of their attacks. So, you really got to be careful of that. You also don't get CC immunity. So, if you get targeted by three ice race, and they all decide to stun you back to back to back while you get it. You're not in for a good time. You're going to have bad time. Yeah, especially if you're the healer and you can't heal because, you know, stun locked. So, yeah, that, that doesn't healing. You know, you can't heal when you're stun locked. That's, that's not good. And to top it all off, all of the ads will push you around, especially if you're trying to revive someone. So, of course, they know when uh, you're trying to get your res off, and they don't want to let you do that. It's what a surprise. Yeah, that's uh, fun. Capital F-U-N, fun. Now, the boss will also uppercut someone and literally throw them into the air. So, it's a long stun that will need to be interrupted right after the player lands on the ground. So, that's what you really got to be looking out for in this fight. You got to get that interrupt off. Now, the boss will also throw a rock, and if it hits you, it will stun you, so watch out for that. The boss will pound the ground and have tremor lines go mostly in front of him, but some will go sideways and behind him as well. So, you just always got to be on the lookout, you know, no matter what role you are in this fight, like, no one is really safe. Yep, no one is safe from the stuns. Nobody. Unless if you're lucky. Which, then maybe you might be safe. Maybe. But probably not. Alright, the next box is uh, Warlord's uh, Sagavin. Um, there will be uh, archer enemies that spawn in. Uh, they, and they have the bow ulti, and they will need to be interrupted, but they die pretty quickly. Um... The boss has a heavy attack that needs to be blocked or roll dodged, especially if you're the DPS or healer. The boss will also randomly charge at a player, and when you see this, you need to block or roll dodge. Um, if you're a DPS or healer, blocking this should be fine, but there's an achievement for like not getting hit by it, so if you want to go for that achievement, that means you have to roll dodge it. Um, the boss will put a tether on two group members, it will do damage until 
the two people are far away from each other to break the tether or until one player dies. So, yeah, if you want to live, then you want to, uh, you know, go far away from each other. You do not want to stay together unless if one of you wants to die. Many people like to stay together and I heal them for about 10 seconds. And then I'm like, you know what? One of you gets to live. I don't I'm not going to, uh, you know, it's I, I'll put one he- a heal AOE on the ground and let, you know, survival of the fittest kind of just take its place. Wow, dog. Wow. The truth comes yeah. out. I'm just <laughs> kidding. Yeah, I mean, I never said I was the most ethical healer with, you know, my murdering of animals and people and, and all that yeah. thieving and yeah. Definitely not an ethical healer over here. Um, at 70%, the boss would jump in the air and land with a damage shield while holding his sword in the air. Uh, everybody will have an AoE beneath him that will continue to do more and more damage until you break the damage shield. Um, just be sure not to stack these uh, AoEs. Uh, if the tanker healer has like a barrier or war horn, they can help either protect people or uh, or help damage the boss during that phase. Um, now would be you know the time to use that. Uh, and yeah, that's war horn. Dun, dun. Yeah, or I guess uh, if you rock whatever set. Well, I guess I don't know what that set's called. That one set. Yeah, the one set that gives you the same buff as the Warhorn. You could do it, yeah. I just don't know what that set's called. Is that the trial set? Yeah, it's from um <laughs> it's from it's from the Blackwood trial. I don't even know what that trial is called. <laughs> rock Grove. Yeah, Rock Grove, that's the one. I thought it had something to do with a rock. <laughs> um, it's a boulder. <laughs> it's not just a boulder, it's a rock. <laughs> The best kind. Yeah. Um, while the boss is below 35% health, he will summon two whirlwinds that will go around the outside of the room. During this, he will have an AUE around the boss in the center, uh, in the center of the room that will get bigger until it takes up the entire center of the room. You do not want to stand in the AUE or in the whirlwinds. And on top of that, one player will get a third whirlwind that will follow them. So the best thing to do is to start circling the arena before the boss gets his big center AOE fully built and so that the other people can easily avoid the third whirlwind that's chasing after the one player. Uh, once the center AOE goes away, you can come back to the center and attack the boss. Just be sure to stay out of that third whirlwind that's following someone until that one goes away. So... Um, and then lastly, the boss can do another jump in the air and land with a damage shield, and you need to break that down again. But, uh, that, that'll wrap a Warlord Sog, uh, Sogbin up. So, for this next one, we have the Vault Protector. And this is gonna be the third boss, so... Right off the bat, every once in a while, the boss will shoot out a steam AoE that you'll have to avoid. The boss will shoot up in the air and have ground AoE following around people. So, be sure to stay moving when he does that. There will be some ads that spawn. One of them will be a spider and it will move. Stop somewhere and start overcharging. 
Second ad is a Dwemer Sphere. He shoots at a ground AoE that hurts a freaking lot. The So the Dwemer Sphere goes and tries to get overcharged, and you need to interrupt this uh, before it does, clearly, because uh, it's not going to be good if it does. So a trick you could use to take these out is uh, using a little ball of lightning that slowly travels around. When you run into it, when it's close proximity of the adds, it will destroy them. So it will also deal a lot of damage to you, so only do it if you're at full health. But it's a good trick, just in case, if these adds are stacking up. So the last and most important mechanic is the laser beam mechanic, which it's, uh, it's freaking bad. Every so often, the boss will stop what it's doing, go to the center of the room, at least on normal. On vet, the tank might have to make sure to hold the boss in the center of the room at all times. The boss will collapse down and put up a shield bubble that you don't want to stand in. Believe us. This shield bubble will block the lasers for you. So, basically, you have to move around this thing. So, the laser machine has more of a beamy area with the machine. What What is a beamy area, dog? Uh, it's nice and, like, you know, cylindery. It also has, like, you know, the little door mechanism. But mainly it's more cylindery. Whereas, you know, the other side... Uh, it it looks like uh has like you know the other side looks like it's dealing a bunch of splash damage against the wall, like a bunch oh, of explosion. That's yes. like yeah, you don't want to stand on the exploding splash damage wall stuff. Right. So the right side you want to stand on is the one that looks like it's dealing a bunch of splash damage. Perfect. Okay. So now for the tricky part. The boss kind of does this whenever he feels like it. That's like why it's like, eh, especially on normal. So around 75% health should be the first lasers. Around 50% health should be the second. And anything under 50% health should be four lasers. Now, the nice thing about the lasers is that once you figure out the rotation for the turn for each mechanic phase, it'll rotate the same way. This means that in one phase, you might get four going clockwise, and the next phase might go counterclockwise, so be sure to watch out. This boss is very irritating. It's freaking stopped a lot of our Frostfall runs, and those lasers, man, they're just death. It also used to be super broken. <laughs> this dungeon has been super broken for, like, a long time, but I think it's fixed right now. I mean... Although I haven't really done it on vet, so maybe it's so broken. I don't know. Frostfall isn't one of those dungeons where like, yeah, I want to go do Frostfall on Veteran. No, definitely not. Pretty much ever. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know, like, that boss too will be like doing good, doing good, and then all of a sudden just die so much. So much death. Yeah, you don't want that. Horrible. All right, um, the next box is Rizik Bone Chill and Avalanche, or sometimes pronounced as Avalanched. Um, you know, with their goblins, they uh, they don't really get the, uh, you know, human tongue or elven tongue. So Yeah, apparently uh, not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, the tank should keep a range taunt on uh, Rizik at all times, but the tank needs to stay with Avalanche 
and everyone ignores that frost astronaut. So you do not want to burn the frost astronaut. He has a lot of health, and you don't even need to kill it. So um, Avalanche has an attack where he spawns a circle, and on the edge you can find ice spikes. Uh, the tank needs to stay inside this area and face tank the damage. Um, if you go out, you will most likely immediately die. Uh, so you're just supposed to stay in there and take the hits, and the healers are supposed to heal you through it. Um, <clears throat> and then he also has a heavy attacks that are a single target, but it's an AoE cone, so it, uh, you do not want to stand in front of it if you're not the tank. Occasionally, the boss will teleport from one side of the room to the other, and he will channel ice damage at the group, and he must be interrupted immediately. So bash or crushing shock. Um, during the fight, there are ice AoEs that will roll across the floor slowly. So just make sure you don't go walk in them. Because that would hurt. You know, no one wants to step on ice spikes. Especially me. And especially Bob. Uh, the boss will channel an unearthed ability. And he will cast what looks like a small blast of wind. And this happens. You have a couple seconds to, you know, go ahead and move away from all your group members. Because everyone will be stunned and have an AoE on top of them. And if they, they will kill you if you are overlapped. So, I uh, definitely want to stay a little bit separated from everybody. But as soon as you see that, you definitely want to make sure that you are not close to anybody. Um, there are also big circle snowstorms that are bad. Um, don't stand in them unless you want severe frostbite. So, and that'd be uh, my, you know, that's my uh, non-ethical healer uh, advice. So, so very thoughtful of you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least I, at least I'm warning you, right? Yeah, dog looking out for everyone. Yeah. Um, and when, lastly, uh, when the boss is at low health. He will cast a uh, spinning tornado type ice effects around the room. Uh, and the longer the fight lasts, the more he will cast. So this is kind of just an execute mechanic. And they tend to be on the edges of the room and they kind of like creep in, but they can spawn in wherever pretty much. So, but uh, yeah, that's uh, Rizik Bone Chill and Avalanche or Avalanche. Okay, so. This boss is basically a big circle, and, uh, yeah, you're going to be fighting a circle, so, you know, you got to be aware of that. But it has two big ol' arms, and that's what you need to focus on before uh, the circle. You know, so you take out the arm, then you go take out the other arm, and uh, things will be happening, you know, so you got to be aware of that. First things first is you want to focus on the right arm. Now, it's called the Rotary Blades Gauntlet. It's on the left side of the room and the left side of the tank when it has aggro. So, right and left can get a little confusing, but there you go. His right arm has a blade attached to it. So, you really want to be sure to stay out of the AoE damage for that. After it's destroyed, you'll have to kill a Dwarven Centurion ASAP because it just depletes the tank's resources when it's up too long. So, can't have your tank holding that thing forever, especially especially on Veteran. Like uh, Those things you gotta burn down really quick. After you kill the arm, the Centurion comes up. So you gotta be aware of that. 
You might, if you can, want to save your ultimates for the Centurion, if you could just burn down the arm. Now, the second arm is the uh, Flame Bellows Gauntlet. So it shoots out fire at the tank, and when you kill this, you need to clearly destroy the other Centurion. So, after both arms are defeated, you can start damaging the boss until he reaches 55% health. And, uh, that's, you know, pretty good deal of damage you get to do before some mechanics. So, occasionally, it'll start to rotate and spit fire out of his sides, and you really don't want to be in that. And it comes out of where the arms were, so you have a good idea. If you get hit by the fire, you instantly die. So, yeah. Definitely don't want to mess with that fire. Some fire, you're like, yeah, okay, burn me for a second. Not this fire. Now, once you reach 55%, you have to go to one of the green glowing beams and transform into a Skeevatron. So, yeah, if you've ever heard people talking about the... uh Dungeon where you turn into a little skeever. This is definitely the one. And I don't know if that makes you want to do it or not want to go do it, but you know, there you go, is what it is. Now, once all four players are downstairs, charge up your ultimate in the middle by pressing the first skill, and it's like on the middle little thing you have to go over there to. Now you all have to split up and follow the blue lines to a shock conveyor that you need to disable with your ultimate. That's why you really want to make sure you go build up your ultimate before you go run it over there. Um, so be sure to avoid the rotating blade and fire traps. Now once all four are done, you'll be teleported back up. So. You'll be repeating all of these mechanics slash steps once you're back up. The only thing different once you go back up is that the boss will also do steam breaths out of his arms. So you need to uh, look out for those because I, they're not like you're going to die immediately like the fire, but they're probably pretty bad. Yeah, uh... So uh, now for the hard mode. Um, we have never really done the hard mode, mainly because when this dungeon came out, it was, you know, super broken. And uh, whenever we would try to go do it again, it was still super broken. And we never really cared to see if the dungeon was working properly or not, like, after we gave it, like, four or five tries, like, to go do the hard mode. So we didn't kind of just like, eh, whatever. We'll just skip it. Um, so, yeah. But uh, the first thing that you'll notice, because we have tried it, uh, the first thing you'll notice, though, is that everything hits a bit harder and the boss has more health. You know, basic hard mode stuff. Um, uh, the main thing with the hard mode is what happens with the Skeevatons. Uh, everything you think you know is wrong. So I hate those days. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just because you thought you know how to do it. You've done it plenty of times before. Nah, you're, you're wrong. Everything, everything you know is wrong. So, um, firstly, you have a time limit of you know three minutes, which maybe you always have a time limit of three minutes, but you never had to get to that, right? And that, that you're like, it does not take three minutes or roughly three minutes to go do that. 
Um, uh, the second thing you'll notice is that the blade traps, uh, well, they also shoot out lightning bolts. So that's cool to know, too. Um, oh, and there are dwarven spiders that'll attack you, too, while you're in this Givaton form. So that's fun. Um, there are three different Skivaton roles. Um, so you have the damage dealers, the healer, and a tank with a few different uh, skills. So all Skivatons have absorb energy, and that's the thing that you spam to get your ultimate. Um, reconstruction, which is mass resurrection. So I guess if you die, you can res people. I I don't know. Um, the lightning chassis. Uh, this is the Kono Shock Damage, Low Impact Damage. The Damage Dealers, Skivatons have Frostmine. It freezes enemies in place. Volatile Spheres deals massive amount of damage and one-shots frozen enemies. And Shock Fuel Ultimate, and this puts a snare on the enemy and increases enemies' damage taken. So, you know, it, you do damage as a Damage Dealer, Skivaton. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes, uh, I think that makes sense, maybe. <laughs> yeah, um, the healer Skivaton has a speed buff, which, uh, you know, gives you a speed buff for a short duration. Has the, it has the heal that you're probably used to, heals everyone, you know, that three meter radius. Um, so, allies, you want to make sure that everyone's close together when you activate that skill. And then their ultimate is the discharge enemy, or the discharge energy ultimate. Which is used to kill off the uh, shock conveyors, you know. Uh, so that's what everyone normally gets on, you know, normal or veteran, just not the hard mode. So everyone kind of knows what that does. Uh, so yeah, healer heals and gives speed buff. So that's good. And then lastly, we have the tank skivaton. Uh, this is a speed buff. You know, you have the speed buff. Uh, the energy shield, which is the you apply a shield to the whole group to protect from damage, and the discharge energy ultimate. So, yeah, is uh, so yeah. The tanks can't actually taunt stuff, but they can give you shields and also speed buffs. So, uh, the way that you want to go about this is you want to follow the lightning to the first one all together. Uh, you want to, and then uh, you uh, you want to pop like your heals, your speed buffs. You don't want to pop speed buffs at the same time, so communication is good and important for that one. Um, and then once you go deactivate the thing, the shock conveyor, uh, you want to circle back, popping speed buff, boost heals, damage heals to pass through the traps, and then kill the spiders. Um, you want to go all together for the second one too. And then for the last two, because you're probably pushing like a minute and a half to two minutes, uh, you want to split the group uh, the group up with a tank and DPS and a healer and DPS to quickly get the last two to turn off um, and then get out of there. Then um, you just go back up and you go do the regular vet boss mechanics, but they just hit a tad bit harder. And yeah, that's uh, false fault hard mode. Stonekeeper hard mode. You want to start us off with sets, Bob? Yes. So we have the light set first, the icy conjurer set. This is going to give you max magic, weapon and spell damage, uh, and offensive penetration. 
On the way to the five piece, which is applying a minor debuff to your enemy, summons a non-reflectable ice wraith that will charge into your enemy, dealing 3,000 frost damage over 10 seconds. This effect can occur every 10 seconds and scales off the higher of your weapon or spell damage. I remember this one was pretty powerful when it first came out. Yeah, um, I like it. I never used that set, so I don't know. I remember that set being, you know, popular. So, uh, the next set is uh, Zogbin's Warband. It's the medium armor set. This will give you a crit chance, more crit chance uh, events of penetration. And when you deal crit damage, you gain a stack of precision, increasing your crit chance by 177 for five stacks up to 10 stacks max. Uh, and then at max stacks, you gain, also gain minor force, increases your crit damage done by 10%. And this effect can occur every half second. So at max stacks, you get minor force and 1,770 crit chance. Um, I know this set was a pretty popular set for the for a pretty long time. It's still a good set, but it's not meta anymore. So definitely still a good set, though. Yeah, I remember trying to farm for it when it first came out, but I never really ended up using it. it happens to me a lot. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, sometimes how it goes. Yeah, so then the heavy set, we have Mighty Glacier, which is max stamina, max magicka, and then stam recovery and magicka recovery. Then the fifth piece says, when you activate a snare or immobilize ability or hit a target with a snare or immobilize ability, you and up to 11 group members gain major resolve for 15 seconds. Increasing your physical and spell resistances by 5948. This effect can occur once every 10 seconds. So that's nice because it does for up to 11 uh, group members. Major Resolve is a pretty common thing out there though, right? Um, yeah, and then there's also the Warden. They have like Frost Cloak, which, which does that. Which does a scare. Right, so. yeah. But yeah. Yeah, but yeah, pretty much every class except for Nightblade uh, has pretty easeable access to Major Resolve on their own. So, all right. Um, and then lastly, we have the Monster Set Stonekeeper. This adds a uh, five, about like five hundred max stamina, max health, and six hundred. I'm sorry. Uh, this set adds five hundred max stamina, max magicka, and then adds six hundred max health. Uh. And then when you block, you gain an energy uh, charge stack. When you gain six charges, you're releasing energy, restoring 2480 stamina magicka and healing for 2480. After releasing the charges, you cannot regain new charges for 14 seconds. And charges can be accumulated up to once every 0.25 seconds. So this is probably my favorite monster set for tanking. Because I like it being, or I like being able to, uh, you know, just uh, giving back resources. Even though it's been nerfed pretty heavily, I still use it on my tank. So, yeah, it's, uh, I think it's still like a pretty meta one for tanks, honestly. I think I have it on uh, my tank for both Xbox and PC. So, dogged, uh, do any of those sets, like, are they really stand out for you? Um, definitely Stonekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think Sogvins uh, is still uh, can definitely be used in some certain builds. And Icy Conjure is interesting too. It just doesn't do as much damage as it used to. Yeah, um, it also does that frost damage, which, you know, Warden. If you want to make an Ice Warden, that's always nice to have something that uh, goes with your theme. But yeah. All right. So, uh, as far as favorite parts of this dungeon, I must say, uh, I guess the my favorite part probably is turning into Skivatron, even though it's also probably my least favorite part. <laughs> um, only in the sense that it's just like, this is one of these dungeons where it just feels really long. And I feel like it's probably because it was the first time they started incorporating story into which kind of feels like part of the Skivatron thing, but it also ends up being kind of a cool mechanic. It's almost like a little mini game. Yeah, but um, I don't know. It yeah. it was cool. No, nah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's definitely cool. Um, yeah, I have a few favorite parts of the dungeon. Um, I think my probably ultimate first. Uh, I guess I guess the first one is that. Uh, I can't think of anything better than to do the achievement to javelin or, you know, knock off with any other ability. If you're not a Templar, uh, dormant or Dwemer out of uh, automatons off the edge. So that's pretty fun. I haven't completed it yet because I don't do Frostfault that often. I think some of my favorite Frostfault runs have been uh, when people stand inside the uh, little circle when the boss is like forming and it just smashes down on them and one shots them. That's pretty fun to watch, you know, unethical <laughs> healer. <laughs> Until um, it's like your fifth run at the freaking boss and he just keeps wiping everyone. But yeah, when you're doing the dungeon on normal, you just kind of like burn, burn, burn. Watching the vault protector boss just do his shield bubble thing on normal is annoying because he just does his shield bubble thing, gets up, does a little dance, goes back down, gets up, does a little dance, just goes back down. And I just want to kill him and move on. But no, he wants to do his mechanics. And yeah. A veteran, it's not a problem because, you know, he has a lot of health. But normal, it's just you do too much damage. And he has too little health. And he likes to dance. Yeah. Well, dancing bosses, you know, it goes just like the Rat Whisperer. <laughs> yeah, just like the Rat Whisperer. Except for he doesn't gold bar. He just summons in skeevers. A lot of skeevers. Lots Too many skeevers. So with that, we're going to go right into our Robots Radio break. And as you know, we are part of the Robots Radio podcast network. Or if you go check out robotsradio.net, I can bet you at least a dollar that you'll probably find another great show. So go check it out, robotsradio.net. Have you ever wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology, and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are dragon breaks, how does Chim work, where did the Dwemer go, and more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening, and catch you later in the grey maybe of Tamriel. Alright, alright, so, 
we've got one more dungeon to go over with you guys. The, uh, in my opinion, more preferable of the dungeons of the two, I think that probably, um, you know, a good percentage of people would agree with that. I really actually kind of like the story of the Depths of Malatar, um, you know, this being their first swing at the whole, um, oh, you know, dungeon and story uh, of the year thing together. Uh, this one was a better whack at it, I think, than Frostfall. Uh, it has some cool kind of, you know, story parts. Uh, so, you know, no spoilers, but definitely if you haven't gotten in there, even on normal, just do the story. I would say check it out for sure. Um, we're talking, I don't even know if I said what it's called, though. But we're talking about the depths of Malatar. It is located on the western Golden Coast. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a really good dungeon. It is a bit long, if anything. But, uh, you know, it's got just great scenery through the whole time, even the last boss. So, let's talk about some of these dangerous enemies. We got two of them. The Stone Watcher first. The tank definitely is going to need to grab aggro these guys and block the heavy attacks. And the DPS needs to prioritize killing these first because they put down AoEs that do a lot of damage. Like, definitely these guys are the focus. Burn them down and uh, it will change your entire dungeon run. Then we have the Frost Atronach. Clearly, always a big bad. So the tank is going to need to block the heavy attack from this guy too. And the Frost Satras also put down AoEs, but they do less damage compared to the Stone Watchers. So, you know, priorities. Dogged, I believe that brings us to the bosses. Would you like to start them off? Yeah, I'll start them off. The first boss is the Scavenging Maw. Uh, the boss will hide at 75, 50, and 25%. Uh, when this happens, everyone needs to stay grouped together and look for the boss. Whoever finds the boss will get stunned, and someone will need to interrupt the boss. Uh, the boss will sprint out a bunch of huge AoE circle uh, that you need to get out of immediately. A bunch of little acid circles. And lastly, the boss is a jump heavy attack against the tank and has shadows that target the other group members, and this needs to be blocked by all party members. And that is that boss. Yeah, that boss is kind of interesting. I always liked the, like, chase it around kind of aspect. Like, you know, it's better than just, like, the boss gold barring, you know? It is, yeah, because boss gold barring, it's cool the first time, and then... And then it just gets annoying once yeah. you kind of realize that. It's like, oh, this is the, you can't do damage to it anymore mechanic. All right. Yeah. So so, like different ways to do it. It's definitely good. So the next boss is the Weeping Woman. And uh, yeah, she is definitely a crier. And you got to be careful because there are huge AoEs everywhere. Ice ones. And uh, they rotate, like, not in a circular clockwise kind of thing, between a few different size AoEs. So, there will always be safe areas, 
But you got to be careful when it changes around because there's like, um, it'll be on the inside and the outside, and there's an open middle gap, or it's all on the outside, and you have to stand right next to the boss, or you know, vice versa of however many X options there could be. So, uh, I always thought that was kind of interesting. And other than that, we have uh, some poison geysers that will spawn underneath of you. And you just need to move out of it. Like, desperately get on out of there. So, other than the uh, huge AoEs and these, uh, you know, horrible poison geysers, the boss will also summon stone watchers and frost astronauts. Remember, we talked about those earlier. Both some big bads that need to be focused down, like, immediately. So, definitely be on the lookout for those when they pop up. And as long as you uh, burn those down quickly, avoid the poison geysers, and uh, just watch your feet with the AoEs for the ice thing, you will definitely easily knock out this boss. All right, uh, next up we have the Dark Orb. Um, this boss is more of a bunch of uh, ad waves that you will fight through. Um, the tank will need to grab the or or Aurorans. Yeah, I think that's Aurorans first, and uh, only the tank should be in front of them because they do like weird lightning AOEs or they have Dawnbreakers and you know a bunch of stuff that you don't want to be in front of if you're not a tank. Um, there will be four smaller orbs that will spawn around the room, and you need to focus those down. Uh, so when you start the fight, you'll do damage to the main orb. Then ads will spawn, and then you'll focus the ads. Then the orb spawns, and then you focus the orb, and go back to some of the ads, and then you attack the main orb, and then you repeat. So, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, you do that until, like, the main orb, or until, like, the dark orb is dead. Except for it'll have like one health, and then you have to kill kill all the NPCs, and then you can go crush it. And yeah, that would be that fight. That good old dark orb fight. I don't know, man. That one is always uh, ends up being kind of tricky. Yeah, it's definitely trickier. It's definitely easier said than done. You want to like tackle a good old King Narrowmore here? The King Narrowmore. Yes, I would like to tackle him. Not just because he is a very annoying boss. And uh, actually, the first time when this came out on Vet, he really gave us frustrations. I can't remember if we did get past him and finish the dungeon that first day. Well, at least with the original group we went in with. But I think we did. I don't know. But this guy was definitely a hardcore from the start. So, King Narrowmore. The main thing this boss does is split into four. One of the four is the real boss, and the other three just have a damage shield. So, as always, when you're the tank, you're just trying to group uh, things up, and that's exactly what you gotta do with these bosses. And, uh, mainly... It's because they all have a damage shield that you have to burn down. So that's what you want to do. You want to get them all together and have your DPS burn them all down. And the real one will reveal himself. 
The boss and its clones will have an ability that they do that needs to be interrupted. So if they're close together, AOE damage can bring down the shields on them. And it'll be easier to check which boss needs an interrupt. Now, other than that, during the fight, Theraya will also be fighting uh, her good friend Quintus. And you can heal Theraya if you want to. Dog used to do it, and then he stopped. If you fail to heal Theraya whenever King Narrowmore splits, the damage shield on each of the bosses will be bigger. She requires a lot of healing to keep her alive, of course. Yeah, she uh, she's weak. She doesn't have good armor. Um, she doesn't have, you know, good health. So it's really her fault, really. Like. Honestly, though, I mean, come on. I mean, I, I only heal when I want to, right? And I mean, hey, I got my achievement. So I was like, all right, well, you're dead to me, Theraya. So. All right. Uh, last boss already. We are on the Symphony of Blades. Last boss. Let's go. So it's important for the fight that everyone does not stack ever because you don't want to overlap any AoE damage that happens during the fight because all AoE damage is bad. All of it. There's no such thing as good AoE damage. Except for like the one time it is. But it's on here, so don't worry about it. Alright, so this place, or this place, uh, this boss will place de uh, Decrepify on somebody. It will take 10% of your health for 5 ticks. And what makes this worse is that it also decreases your healing done by like 90 or 95%. So if it's placed on a healer, well, then they can't heal for the duration. And you know, me being the healer and all, whenever I go into this dungeon, I always get the debuff. Which, when you're the healer, and getting decrepified, you spend a lot of time uh, not healing when you're supposed to be healing. I think uh, one of the more interesting things about this is that at the time, uh, they were kind of like, there's this whole thing on how, like, oh, healers really aren't that worth it. And I want to say Finn, but I don't know. But somebody, but some people are like, no, 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 healers, healers are important, right? And then this dungeon DLC comes out and they put a debuff that makes the healer useless for five seconds if they get this. And it's kind of just, you know, ironic or yeah it's kind of just ironic that like it just went against each other so yeah but uh more on the boss so the boss has a heavy attack that the tank will need to block or dodge or dodge roll um or anybody else if the tank loses aggro but um one person in the group will have an aoe circle glow, uh, grow underneath them uh, you need to block this to take less damage and then break free because it's going to automatically stun you. And this is why you also want to, you know, stay away from everybody because you can also stun multiple people. If you go like, oh, hey, I have this stun or I have this AOE growing underneath underneath me. Let me go share this. Go share the love. No, you don't want to share the stun. No one likes sharing you the stuns. Um, the boss would do like a short spin to win phase where... Uh, the DPS and healer need to stay out of it, um, and the tank can either just, like, block it and take it, or the tank can also slowly walk backwards, and it won't cause too much of a problem. So, kind of whatever the tank wants to do there. Um, but the boss will throw his swords out in front of him, and it will kill the DPS or healer, 
Um, this can be interrupted throws, so make sure that you watch the, you know, little sparks that fly off of him whenever he goes to do this. I think he puts his, like, one or two swords up in the air, but I could be wrong. Alright, so, another big mechanic here, uh, there will be a golden aurora wall, and the trick here is that you need to kill the center one, or whichever one is the easiest for the tank to get through and walk through. Um, and if the wall touches you, you will die. So it's kind of like the ghost wall in, uh, Bang Lair, except for that you just, uh, kill the ghost and, or you just kill the center guy and be done with it, and you can walk through it. Alright, uh, the next big mechanic here is, uh, during the fight there will be four slow-walking orange that spawn in each corner of the room. There is a red, purple, yellow, and blue one. Red is meteors, purple is lightning slashes. Uh, blue is ice AoEs, pillars, and AoE ice damage. Uh, yellow is Templar Jesus Beam to the tank, or whoever it's targeting. Uh, we would recommend doing either the red or purple, if not both. You know, if you have enough DPS to do both. But uh, definitely, you definitely want to either tar tackle the red or purple. Because those are the... Uh, those two are definitely the worst ones to deal with. And anyone that you don't kill, uh, it'll get the buff for 40 seconds doing their mechanic, so. And then one thing to note is that that stage will happen at, like, 80%, and again, at 50 to 45%, depending on overlapping mechanics or not. So, be sure to look out during those phases. Phases. Uh, lastly, or I guess almost lastly, but, uh, at 10% of the boss, uh, when the boss is at 10% health, uh, you get to essentially redo the fight, but with all the mechanics always active. Uh, when you first spawn into the other realm, the boss is so busy putting down, uh, long-range attacks that he won't move, so you do have a bit of a moment that you can just get over there and start doing some damage. Um, but the, uh, but when you first load in, uh, you are also taking some AoE damage, so be sure that you move away from that. Um, during this time, the, the tank can also taunt the boss and keep it facing, and turn it around from the group. So During this phase, uh, the boss will have all four elemental type of attacks, so that's cool, or shocking, or templary. Burning, yeah, or that burning. Really work, yeah. I guess. Yeah, no. Templary doesn't really work either, but no, it mean... was a good shot though. Yeah. Oh, bright! It could be bright. You know, Templar light damage, bright. There you go. Coming up with better ones on the fly. All right. So uh, the biggest obstacle here. You know, quite literally, uh, it will be the multiple Auroran walls walking around the arena, or I guess the little island thing that you're on. Uh, you definitely want to avoid the edges, because if the wall spawns on the edges, uh, they'll instantly kill you. So yeah, the key with these is that you just need to walk around them, you don't actually need to go kill them. So finding a good path and going back to attack the boss... And you want to avoid the meteors, the lightning, the frost, the templar, and circle AoE stun all at the same time. So, yeah. And then that would be that fight on just like normal or veteran. 
the last thing for this fight would be the hard mode orbs. During both fights, the orbs will uh, the orbs from the dark orb, a lot of orbs here, uh, will appear in the room with the random color, and uh, you pretty much you just need to go kill the orb. Each color orb makes the same mechanic as the orange does. So, like, red would be meteors, purple is lightning, blue is ice, yellow is templar. And so, you, you want to kill the orbs as soon as it gets up. And then, uh, when you're in the color room, the, that orb makes the mechanic hit even harder. So, so the main thing that the uh, orbs do is that they make the their respective mechanic hit harder for the duration. So, you definitely want to take those out ASAP. But uh, that would wrap up the depths of Malatar dungeon bosses. That uh, sounds like quite a wallop of a last boss right there. It is. It is the last boss too. So yeah, go all out on the last one. And they did, man. That uh, extra area is really uh, something to behold. Yep, the good old colored rooms, multiple colors in it, and only one room. The colored rooms. That's uh, quite a, an interesting way to put it. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, those fights are, uh, I don't know. They're pretty interesting. Dungeon isn't too bad. Definitely not on normal. On veteran, I'd say probably that last boss can get a little, little tough depending on your group. But uh, definitely attainable, no doubt. And uh, you might want to go check out this dungeon because there are some pretty good sets. Well, at least one I can think of. So, dog, let's go through these sets, my dude. So, for the light set, first off, we have a Roarin's Thunder. This one gives maximum health, weapon and spell damage, offensive penetration, and the five-piece reads that dealing direct damage to a target within 10 meters of you Summons a cone of lightning from your chest for 5 seconds, dealing 396 shock damage every second to enemies in the cone. This effect can occur every 10 seconds and scales off the higher of your weapon or spell damage. So, yeah. That one, when it came out, was like a lot more powerful. Like, the shock was super powerful and, you know, it scales off your weapon damage, so still could get up there, but... Uh, people don't run as much these days. Yeah, that's one of the uh, sets that I definitely grabbed a bunch of and then never used it. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds uh, alright. Yeah, I, I I had a plan. I just didn't stick. I didn't follow through with a plan. Uh, all right. The next set is uh, Scavenging Demise. This is a medium set. Um, the first one will give you uh, weapon and spell damage, and then three and four will get you some crit chance. And then its fifth one reads, When you deal crit poison damage to an enemy, summon the Scavenging Maul, which attacks your enemy after two seconds. Uh, the, scavenging, uh, the Scavenging Maul deals 2,500 poison damage and inflicts minor vulnerability for 15 seconds, increasing their damage taken by 5%. This effect can occur once every 10 seconds and scales off your weapon or spell damage. So this one is a pretty good set, you know, 100% uptime. That's always good. Um, it's one source of minor vulnerability if you don't have a another way to get it. But yeah, this is a 
pretty good set. Definitely not, you know, meta, because there's definitely other sources of minor vulnerability, but it's definitely a good set. Then for the heavy, we have the Frozen Watcher set, which gives you max stamina, max health, and max stamina again. On the way to the five piece, which is... You summon a blizzard around you while you are bracing, inflicting 496 frost damage every second to enemies within 6 meters. This effect scales off your max health. Your blizzard has a 15% chance of inflicting chilled on enemies damaged. Now, personally, I've never ran this one before. I've always thought it sound kind of interesting, but also kind of vague. I think I used this on my bash build. Yeah, I know Graham used this on one of his tanks. Yeah. And I don't know, I always thought it would be cool, you know, when you block, you put up a uh, little torrent around you of snow, but I don't know. It definitely uh, wasn't something I ever followed through on, but I always thought it sounded really cool. I still, I honestly still think it does. Yeah. Alright, uh, the last set is the monster set, and this is called the Symphony of Blades. Uh, this one's going to give you 4% healing done, and then when you heal an ally who is under 50% of their primary resource, grant them Meridia's Favor, which restores 570 Magicka or Stamina every one second for 6 seconds, and this effect can occur once. Uh, and this effect can occur every 18 seconds per target, and the resource return is based off the target's highest maximum resource. So Magicka character, so Magicka DPS would get Magicka, and Stamina would get Stamina. Now, uh, how do you feel about this one as a healer? Um, well, this is definitely a, a great set. Uh, this is what, you know, you're supposed to be running. Um, I like Earthgore, so, yeah. But yeah, this is something that I'll use for trials sometimes when I, you know, wanting to be a good healer. But that that's not very often, to be honest. So I kind of just go with Earthcore. But yeah, this is definitely something, the one that I have, like, stored up somewhere, locked in a cage or something, something like that. You want to add anything else to the monster set? Yeah, I mean, I never really got to run it too much myself, but uh, I mean, I definitely have it on my healers, so I know it's definitely the meta thing, and uh, I like the concept of giving resources back, you know, even though maybe just a bit more, if anything, you know? Yeah. So, uh, Dogged, what are your favorite parts of this dungeon? Man, uh, well, I think my favorite part of this dungeon is complaining about the decrepitcy, like, decrepify. Um, because I, like, when I think about this dungeon, that's what I think of. So, don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, Healing Thuraya the first couple of times was fun. Um, it's definitely an interesting mechanic that they added in. Like, oh, hey, heal this NPC or stuff's going to happen. So that was interesting. Um, 
I think the big one for like almost everybody is definitely the end boss room where you head into the colored rooms, uh, oblivion area. And it's definitely very pretty. I'm surprised they haven't had a house there yet. You know, the sun's just been out for like three years. So it's kind of been like when I, like, I think everybody's like initial reaction back then was like, all right, well, we definitely know we're going to get a house here. And we definitely haven't gotten a house there yet. So kind of interesting. Uh, Bob, what is yeah. your favorite part of the dungeon? Yeah, that would be really, really cool to get a house there. I, I really thought they did it at some point, man. That sucks that they haven't. I don't think they did. I mean, maybe they didn't. I just didn't notice it. That That's possible, too. I mean, let's be real. First off, if they did, it's going to be like 20,000 crowns anyway. So. Yeah. So, uh, Bob, what is your favorite part of the dungeon? I don't know, like, the last boss fight is probably, probably, is probably, probably, is probably one of the last kind of big epic ones that I think of before the dungeons got a little too, like, uh, tied into the story. So I really like it for that. Uh, I do kind of like the story that ties into it, and just, like, uh, all the, f the last boss fight and the story, that all parts of it have great, like, uh, you know, images and scenery around. It's just a really good, well done kind of uh, display that they have there. So I'd say that's probably my favorite parts of the dungeon. All right. Uh, that's pretty solid. Um, one last thing for the dungeon uh, is that there is a bit of antiquities you can get from here. I guess just one. But you can get the Meridian Sconce, and this is droppable from the last boss. So. I feel like I've gotten that lead before. But then again, I don't really know. So. Yeah, with uh, that Antiquity, that's going to wrap up uh, the Rastone Dungeons DLC. Alright, so we hope you guys had a good time and you learned a lot about these dungeons and you're ready to go conquer them. Now, if you do the um, Dips of Malatar on Vet, that was the first one where if you all you have to do is get it done on Vet and you get a skin. So that's cool. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, nice skin too. It yeah. doesn't like make your skin no weird color or a weird uh, wrinkly like, right, it just it makes you glow a little bit in like the eyes and chest. Yeah, it makes your eyes go a little weird, but I mean, still a really cool skin. I do miss them having it locked behind the. Uh, you have to get a speed run, you have to do the hard mode, and you have to get a no death run. But it is what it is, and uh, it's been like that for years now. So there you go. Now, if you guys want to come find us and check us out, uh, dogged, where can they do that? All right, uh, you can find us on Twitter, the at Red Diamond Cast. You can also find us on Facebook of the Red Diamond Courier. You can find us on ESO, BC, or Xbox Field of Ares the Red Diamond, which you can join on the Robots Radio Discord, found on robotsradio.net. And if you check out our show notes, you can find links to our merch store, ESO-hub.com, our music producer, Daniel Nisley, and all kinds of other awesome stuff. 
Plus, if you guys leave us a review, a five-star review with some words, we will shout it out to the skies and uh, write letters to our home, to our moms, and they can put it on the fridge, you know, uh, about how cool our podcast is. So there you go. Now, Dogged, what about you, my man? Where can the people find you and your craziness? Alright, you can find me on uh, tw- Xbox, Twitter, and ESOBC, all at dogbark 24 for me it's going to be bob underscore chichinsky pretty much everywhere you go on xbox there's no underscore so there you go we hope you guys had a good time thank you for hanging out with us once again uh thank you dog for chilling and we hope you guys have a good week and we'll catch you on the flip side yep see ya solid-state electronics and vacuum tubes are still meta. People never stop loving atomic-powered everything. A chosen 500 stepped inside a subterranean vault to be spared the nuclear horror of the inevitable Great War. 25 years later, they emerge after the fallout settles to retake Appalachia. Among them, Two former rivals whose blood feud will tear West Virginia apart and their epic struggle for survival. Chad, a vault bro who has a strength of 15, an intelligence of two, and is a complete wasteland dickhead. Simon, a complicated anti-hero who chooses light and hope but accidentally becomes a cannibal and wakes up naked and afraid with a Scorch Beast Queen after a date goes terribly wrong. What? I mean, it's a wild wasteland, right? This dark humor radio drama will have you driving off the road and crawling out from under the fallout. Two men. One wasteland. And so many nukes. Chad, a Fallout 76 podcast. Rated R. Now streaming on your holotape player podcasty thing.